Sunday entitled Shine. And I want you to turn in your Bibles to two books today. We're going to turn to the book of John chapter 1, and then we're going to turn also to the book of 1 John. Not the same thing. So John 1 and 1 John. You got that? All right. We're going to spend a lot of time in John today as we continue looking at light and, 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 and shining. We started last week talking about the fact that God is the source of light. All light has a source. All light. Every bit of light in the world around us, every light bulb shining in this place today has a source. It didn't just happen, right? These electric lights up here have current that are, is flowing to them. Otherwise, they're just light bulbs. They're just pieces of glass and filament. But it's when that electricity comes in that that light is illuminated. There, all light has a source. And we talked about the fact that God is the source of our life and our Light. We took a look at Moses and Jesus who both stood in the presence of God and the effect of that, the standing in, their, in God's presence was that they were literally illuminated. Their bodies and their clothing glowed. It talks about Moses that he, he reflected the glory of, of God so much after being in his presence that they had to put a veil or a covering over his face. And, and again, I just I have a hard time wrapping my head around that, that image that someone is glowing so brightly that you cannot actually physically look at them. And then Jesus in the transfiguration goes up with Peter, James, and John, and, and up on that mountain, uh, Moses and Elijah come down and meet him there, and they're in the presence of God. And it says that after Jesus was in the presence of God, that he was glorified, and that he, he shone, that he, he shined brightly, even his clothes we're shining. We unpack the idea that the transfiguration, that event that happened on that mountain, the other word that can be used there is the word metamorphosis, which we understand when we think about cocoons when we're kids and, and butterflies, how they go through this change. The idea being this, that there's an outward change that comes from within, that God brings about a metamorphosis in our lives as we stand in his presence. It's something that doesn't come from the outside, but it's something that happens on the inside and then shines out from that place. And that's where I want to keep kind of pressing in today. You, you might think that the series Shine is just about, hey, we got to let our light shine but before we can get to that point, before we can have that conversation, we've got to press into deeper into who the source of our shining is, into the source of our light in our lives. And so um, I was actually in a place where I felt like we were going to kind of press on to the next topic, and the Lord said, no, we're going to camp out here a little bit longer and, and shift the focus from Moses and then Jesus and the transfiguration to John chapter 1. John, out of all of the writers in the gospel, deals with light more than anyone else. It's a major, major, major theme for him. And, and one of the things in Scripture you want to pay attention to, if something is repeated uh, over and over and over again, it's important. I guess that's true today, isn't it? If something's repeated, you want to pay attention. So let's read together. I'm going to read out of John chapter 1. I'm going to read the first 12 verses. I had to resist just pasting the whole of John chapter 1 into this because it's just all so good. One, probably, I don't favorite, but, but I love the gospel of John. There's just a depth to the gospel of John. It says this in verse 1, In the beginning was the word. 
And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe through that light. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and, th- and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Wow. Thank you, Lord. God, I pray this morning that your word would be illuminated in our hearts and in our lives. God, that we would hear your voice. Lord, that my voice would just diminish. Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us in this place this morning. The message that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You probably caught the connection here from John to Genesis. See, Genesis starts with the words, in the beginning. In the beginning, at the outset, before there was anything else, in the beginning, John starts his gospel in the beginning. In Genesis, it's in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Here in John, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. See, all things were made through God. He is that source that we've talked about He's the source of our life. He's the source of everything. And it's this contrast that is drawn out here. That in Genesis, we see God speaking and creating the earth out of nothing, out of the formless void. He he makes the world. He makes the sun. He makes the stars. He separates the day from the night. And he does this powerful, powerful work. I have a moment of transparency here. I, I saved my notes on my computer, and they didn't update on my iPad. So if I seem like I'm hesitating for a second, but here's what I know. God wants to speak. I'm just, I'm like, okay, Lord, you're kind of tripping me up. Well, no, he's not tripping me up. It's not God. It's... So God, you're going to do something. You're going to do something. I've got most of my notes, just a few, few points that I'm missing here. I want to just ramble on. I want to make sure that we hit this right. You can't address something if you don't have the authority to address it. Right? There's, there's some commercials right now. I don't know what it is with insurance commercials, but they are everywhere. <laughs> right? Like, I maybe tapping into that fear, whether it's Aflac, which is the company that you get when you don't think your insurance is enough, 
right? Or the myriad of insurance on top of that covered California and health insurance. And it's just insurances everywhere. But there's, there's that insurance and there's a commercial where, where they say, you're not going to go to someone who just says it's going to be okay. It's like the surgeon who comes into the room and it's like, hey, is my surgeon good? Yeah, he's, he's okay. And then the surgeon comes in and he's like, hey, guess who's been reinstated, right? And you're like, get me another doctor, you're not going to go to, some, to someone for something critical if they're not an authority on the subject. John here establishes the authority that God has to speak into the darkness. The God who made everything, who at the beginning of Genesis, before anything existed, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit present, which was, he says his presence was hovering over the deep. That same God who said, let there be light, and there was light, who formed all of the world by speaking a word, who got into the dust and and created man out of the dust of the earth and then breathed life into him. He alone has the authority to speak into the condition of man. No one else. So when my life is broken, you might be an encouragement in my life, but you don't have that authority to speak into my life like God does. And so here we have all of humanity living in darkness. And so John starts out in the beginning. Why? Because he needs the reader, he needs us to know that Jesus has the authority because Jesus was present at creation. That he can speak into our lives because he made us. Because he is the Lord of our lives. It says in verse 4, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. See, the light that Jesus brings is the light that caused life to be breathed into us. And all mankind, whether they acknowledge the, the existence of God or surrender their lives to Him and follow Him, all reflect the glory of God because we cannot take that next breath. We cannot live our lives apart from the fact that we have been given life by God Himself, starting with Adam and all the way forward up to today. We understand that out of the garden and through the sin and the disobedience of man, darkness came into the world. As Satan came and tempted Eve and tempted Adam and brought disobedience and brought darkness to bear. And from that moment to the moment where Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected out of that that grave, that darkness pervaded and covered the earth once again. And just like it was before creation, the earth was wallowing and struggling in darkness. In Genesis, it was a physical darkness. There was no light. But after Eden and after the sin came into the world, that darkness was not a physical darkness, but a spiritual darkness. A darkness that covered the heart of man and the mind of man and separated us from God. And God says, this is not good. Everything he declared in Genesis, he looked at it and he said, this is good. But he knew that that darkness was not good. It was devoid of the light of life, and so he sets in motion a plan that Jesus would come. Verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The light that gives light to everyone was coming into 
the world. I have three points I want to make this morning, three things that we're going to talk about. I'm going to give you all three up front, and then we're going to visit the three of them. The first is this, you've been rescued. You've been rescued. Second is, you have to receive. And the third is, there's a place for us to rekindle what has diminished. You've been rescued. Last year in June, a group of boys in Thailand got done with soccer practice and their coach said, hey, let's go for a hike. And so just with the clothes on their back and some flashlights, they started exploring a set of caves in Thailand. Uh, As boys will do, they just had fun just climbing in and around and, and exploring and being adventurous. But while they're in that cave, what happens in Southeast Asia is these monsoon storms kind of blow in unexpectedly and dump tons and tons of rain. And in the midst of that rain and all of that, that the water flowing, those caves that they were in begin to fill up. And they found pretty quickly that they were trapped, that the way that they had come into the cave was now completely underwater and they couldn't get out with that water steadily rising You probably remember that this made headlines around the world, that these boys and their coach were missing, for many presumed dead, but miraculously were found alive, huddled in that cold, dark, wet cave. It was 10 days, 10 days before they were found alive, a pair of rescue divers from England So imagine this, they've been in this cave this whole time not knowing if anyone is actually looking for them. But divers and rescuers, over 3,000 of them from all corners of the globe, made their way to Thailand. In fact, there's a picture, it's already up there, hey. As they explored, trying to find all of these caves and these little caverns, trying to find these boys, and there's an interview with the, the boys, and one of the boys said when when that, that diver came up out of the water, they were so overwhelmed and overcome. So the one who spoke the best English went to the, the diver and had a conversation with them, and the diver basically said to him, we're here to get you out. We're here to rescue you. See, they couldn't get themselves out of their predicament. The, the coach had tried to swim. They had a, a short rope, and he had tried to swim and find a passageway uh, but, but there was no way out. And he knew that even though he might be able to, to navigate some of those caves, that these young boys would never find their way out. So in the process of trying to figure out how to extricate these boys from these caves, it was 17 days from the moment they stepped into those caves until the last boy was brought out. 17 days. Of course, they brought in supplies and oxygen and, 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 and food and, and blankets to keep the boys warm as they try to figure out what to do. And unfortunately, in the whole process, one of the Thai Navy SEALs who was working on the rescue lost his life and sacrificed his life. It was a gripping story. It was amazing. And, and one of those moments when you see the best of humanity as we rallied around this focused, the, the, this moment where where these boys had to be rescued. We needed to be rescued. See, we were in darkness. Mankind found itself in a place where we were in the dark and in the cold, 
with no hope and no way out. And the reality is that we did not have what we needed to rescue our, our, ourselves. We needed someone else to come to our rescue. In John chapter 8, verse 12, it says this, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I'm going to pause for a second. Kyle, are you in the back? Would you grab my laptop out of my backpack and just bring it up for me? I'm realizing I, I, want, to, I want to wing it. So we're just going to pause for a second. I'm going to get the, get the rest of my notes out. Sorry about that. Sometimes things don't, just don't go as the way they're... they're I, I tell you, I, anyone a perfectionist in the room, right? Yeah. You can, you can relate. <laughs> These boys, in this cave, in this moment, not, not knowing if they'd see their families again. Not knowing if they'd see the light of day again. I, I can't imagine it. I, I, for one, am not a big fan of where they call it spelunking, right? I don't know spelunking. I like to be in the sun. I don't like closed spaces. Thank you very much. Let's give it up for Kyle. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle for the win. There we go. Oh, wow. God bless you, Tom. John 1, again, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. You know what that means? It means he was already on his way. We get stuck in the darkness and we think that nobody knows. That nobody knows. That there's a world going on all around me and they don't see what's happening in my life. And that there's no hope. Not, not only that, no one knows and God might not even know. And if not, maybe God just doesn't care. But John 1, 9 tells us that the true light was coming into the world. He was on his way. He was on a rescue mission to save us, to save you and me. God had a plan to save our lives. Verse 12, he says, he gave us the right to become children of God. I imagine the scene when those moms and dads hugged their kids for the first time in 17 days. I guarantee you it wasn't a pat on the shoulder and like, hey, good to see you, son. How was practice? <laughs> right? Tears and embraces, emotions just overwhelmed and, and overflowing. God is saying this, my children have been lost to me. They've been separated. And so I'm sending my son, my light into the world so that my children would be rescued and so that there would be this, this reunion that would take place between God's creation, between his children and himself. Can you imagine the, the gushing of the father over us as we find ourselves and find our, our salvation in him, all made possible because Jesus came. So Jesus tells us, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, 
but will have the light of life. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That he has given us something that secures our lives once and for all. Why? Because he has the authority to do so. Because he alone can establish and, and declare that word over our lives. You know that, that in, the, in the Old Testament through the, 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 the priests and the, and the sacrificial system and the temple, that they didn't have that authority. That the prophets that we read about in the Old Testament didn't have that authority. They could speak about things they didn't fully know or fully see. But Jesus alone came into the world. Why? To rescue you and me out of the darkness and to bring us into the light. But my next point is this, receive. We have a choice whether or not we receive what God is offering. We would never, ever, ever think that those boys in that cave and their coach, when those divers start coming in to say, we're here to rescue, would say, you know what, I'm good. I like this cave. It's kind of like become like home for me. I'd just rather stay here. No way. No way. They're gonna, they're, they, they took that opportunity, and as soon as it was safe, they got out of there. Probably will never go inside another, another cave in, in their whole lives. We have to receive what God is giving us. He doesn't force it on us. This is the thing that I love about God. Jesus makes a way. The light comes into the world. He overcomes the darkness. The darkness cannot stand against it. And he extends an invitation. He doesn't force it on you and me. Because it's all about relationship. It's all about relationship. We'll read about that in a second. It's one of my favorite things to say. It's all about relationship. And so he invites us out of darkness and into light and into a relationship with him. John 3, 19 through 21 says this. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love the darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Can I just pause there for a second? Do you get that? That's as ridiculous if, no, no, it's more ridiculous than those kids saying, I want to stay in the cave. The light has come, but I want to stay in the darkness because I, I, I've, I've done bad things in my life. And I'm afraid that if I walk into the light, the bad things will be exposed and, I, and then people will know. Let me give you some good news. You're all sinners. You're all sinners. No one, not one of us gets through life sinless. That means you're in good company. But it's the tactic of the enemy to shame us and to bring guilt, not a healthy guilt, but, a, but an unhealthy guilt that keeps us stuck. I can't, I, can't, I can't confess that out loud because then people would know. And more than that, God would know. God already knows. He already knows. But, but the lie of the enemy to say, hey, you just stay safe in the darkness and that we believe that that's true. And it's not. 
God wants to expose the brokenness in our lives, not to hurt us, but to heal us. Not to shame us, but to restore us and extend grace to us. He goes on to say, whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly what they have done has been done in the sight of God. There's an invitation to us to respond, and there's a huge risk involved. For us to say, God, I'm broken, I'm a mess, but I need what you have for my life. And as we step into the light of his love that he brings restoration in our lives, I've got lots of R words today. Sometimes it just happens that way. But along with receiving, in this this point of receiving, is repentance. That we have to repent. God knows that there's brokenness and sin in our lives, but he says, listen, one of the ways that you receive the light I have for you is you have to acknowledge the sin. You can't just ignore it. You have to acknowledge that you're stuck. And as you come in repentance, it's not something we talk about a lot in the church. And by the way, if your, your idea is this, oh, repentance, yeah, I did that once. <laughs> no. Daily, if not multiple times a day. And what I love is the scriptures tells us it's God's mercy leads us to repentance. Not his wrath, his mercy leads us to repentance. He calls us into the light to expose those things so that he can wrap his arms around us and embrace us with a heavenly father hug. But we have to be ready to receive, and we receive through repentance. 1 John 1, verse 5 through 7. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him... Insert relationship. If we claim to have a relationship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. This is how God initiates the rescue operation. He shows up in our lives and he says, hey, you're stuck, you're in danger, you're in darkness. I want to rescue your life. Do you want to come with me? And we have to decide, yes, I want to go. I want to go and be a part of this this kingdom that God is establishing. I want to be in the light. But we have to choose it and we choose it through repentance. God, I've messed up. I got myself stuck. I'm in sin, but I repent of my sin, and I choose to follow you. And what that does is allows us to have fellowship and relationship and intimacy and closeness with our Father. And as we do that, it spills out over into our relationships with each other. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Because it's all about relationship. And as we go through this process, what does he say here at the end? What's the, pro- what's the promise? It says that the blood of Jesus, his son, what does it do? Purifies you from all sin. 
It purifies you from all sin. That's a good thing, all right? This is, can we just say thank you to God for a minute? It's really quiet in this church this morning. You guys all had cookies, you're like on your, your sugar levels. He purifies us from all sin. You are sinless before God because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You have moved from darkness into light. You have fellowship with him. He doesn't expose you to hurt you. He exposes the sin in our lives and wants us to repent so that he can forgive the sin and he purifies us and allows us to walk in absolute relationship with, each, with him and with each other. One of the things I, I failed to mention earlier is this. You know, the darkness in our lives that comes as a result of sin, but we also live in a dark world. And there's times that the darkness of this world has an impact on our lives, directly and indirectly. And so there's those parts of my life where there's things I've chosen, there's things I've done, and of course, prior to giving my life to Jesus, just fully immersed in darkness. But as a follower of Jesus, I have to choose to walk in the light. And as John says, if... if if we allow even the relationships, that becomes the barometer, right? Our relationships with each other. If you're not loving each other, you have to really examine, are you walking in the light? According to John, you're not. And so I can choose to step back into the darkness. Even though he has brought his light to bear in my life, I can choose to step back into the darkness. And so daily, we have to make the decision to say, today, God, I want to walk in the light of your truth and of the light of your Love. John writes before that Jesus is the true light, the authentic light, the only, he's not a reflection of the light, he is the source of light. And we have to decide to follow and walk with him every day. With that being said, that God's light covers not just the sin, that, the darkness that comes because of sin, but also the darkness because of the things that are done to us in the midst of a broken world. You might be sitting here this morning going, Barry, you don't realize the level of brokenness in my life. And I might not. But God does. And there is no level of brokenness and no level of darkness that his light cannot shine into and drive out the darkness. Light brings hope. And we live as a hopeful people because of the light and the love of Jesus Christ. Brings me to my last point this morning. We need to rekindle. We're going to do something that we did back at Christmas. Um, you're going to notice Pastor Abby's going to close the door, and we're actually going to bring down the lights in this place for a minute. It's going to get dark. Um, I just give you a heads up that it's going to get, get dark. I want to illustrate something regarding this light. See, Jesus tells us in Matthew 24, 10 through 13, at that time that many will turn away from the faith and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. 
If you've ever been camping in your camp and it's cold out and the campfire starts dying out and you start feeling the chill of cold, what do you do? Just It's coming down. We can black out the screen as well. It says that the love of most will grow cold, which means that that light starts fading. That light starts dying out and we end up in darkness. There's no hope in darkness. But then Jesus, who of himself said, I am the light of the world. He said, I am the light of the world. But then in Matthew chapter 5, he says to us, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. I'm going to have team bring up these lights just a little bit, just down a little bit. In the midst of darkness, a little bit of light goes a long way. And you might be feeling like, Pastor Barry, my light's not shining very bright. And I get it. There's times where you don't feel like you're glowing, that you're shining. But we have the opportunity in Jesus to rekindle that light. And so as we bring up these lights, we realize we can go from just barely shining, let's bring them all the way up. To reflecting the glory of God to the world around us. One of the reasons I love these vintage light bulbs is that they give this kind of this amber glow. Doesn't it just feel, it's just like, ah, oh, it feels good. We're gonna, we can go ahead and bring up the house lights. We can open the door again. You might be thinking, my light doesn't make a difference. Or there's such brokenness in my life that, you know what? God's not going to really use my life to reflect his glory. But Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You, not, not you might be the light of the world. You could be. You are. If your light, his light lives in you, if you've been rescued by him, if you responded to him and repented and given your life to him, he says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a lamp, uh, light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify you, your Father in heaven. I love the fact that not only did God initiate a rescue plan to rescue you out of the darkness, that you are a part of his rescue plan. Can I say that again? Not only did God initiate a rescue plan through Jesus Christ to rescue you, you are a part of his rescue plan in the world around you. And so he wants to bring his light into the dark places of your life, of course, to save you from your sin, but so much more. For his light to invade every aspect of your life, your relationships, your habits, your thinking, Every part of your physical being, your relationships, your, your, your finances, your work, he wants his life to completely permeate and pervade everything in your life, but to not just stop there. That you would be like one of these beacons, one of these light bulbs in the world around you as hope pours into your life through the light of Jesus. That your life would be illuminated in such a way that other people would go, what is up with you? What is going on in your life? 
that they would actually literally say to you, you are glowing. There's something about your life that just radiates. You can say, it's not me. It's what God has done in my life. It's because I was stuck and I was in darkness, but God rescued me and has allowed his light to shine in my life. See, before we can let our light shine before men, we have to be the recipients. We understand that God is the source of that light, but so much more than just the source, he initiates the light to be ushered into our lives through the person of Jesus Christ. And then he says, Stay in fellowship. Stay in relationship with me. And by the way, this isn't just for you. Stay in fellowship with each other. And watch my light illuminate the dark world. It'd be, we're not hard-pressed to know the fact that we live in dark times. We live in dark times. That there is darkness, spiritual darkness, all over the world. And as the children of Jesus Christ, as children of the light, as we walk in light, we have a decision to make. We have a choice to make. Do we become observers of the darkness or do we become change agents in the darkness and allow God to use our lives to shine brightly, starting in our homes, in our church, our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our communities, and to the ends of the earth. This is the work that God has done for us. We stand together. I want to give you an invitation this morning as the worship team comes. If you would bow your head, close your eyes for a minute. I want to extend an invitation to those who maybe have not said yes to the light. Don't want to miss the opportunity for someone who may be hiding in the darkness, in a cave, in fear, in the cold, to say, Pastor Barry, I want what you're talking about. So with every head bowed, every eye closed this morning, would you do me a favor if that's you, if you feel the tugging of the Holy Spirit on your heart today, there's no condemnation, there's only life to be had. If that's you, would you simply raise your hand up high so I can agree with you this morning? Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else today that you would say, I want to walk in the light of God's love? Praise the Lord. We're two people who've made a bold statement, who've responded to the light of Jesus shining. Can we pray this prayer together? Dear Jesus, thank you that you came into a dark world to rescue me. I repent of my sin. I ask you to forgive me for the brokenness and the destruction in my own life. I choose to follow you, to surrender my life daily to your will. Amen. Amen. Can we praise the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. And so, Father, I declare over this congregation, over every man, woman, boy, and girl, God, we say thank you that you have rescued us, that your light is shining into our lives, and we receive from you that light. We say thank you for that light. 
And God, I pray this morning for any who might be feeling my, my light, Pastor Barry, is not shining that bright. God, would you rekindle that light? Would you blow your Holy Spirit, the power of your Holy Spirit into those lives? And God, would you cause those flames to be rekindled in our lives that we would reflect your glory, Lord, in our relationship with you and our relationship with each other. God, thank you for the gift that you've given through your son. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Our prayer team is available once again. If you want to pray with, uh, pray with our, one of our prayer team members for any need, please go ahead and do that during, uh, during this last song as we finish in worship.